0: what's going on guys welcome to video chicken live this is matt i'm sure you guys know who i am and to my left our chickenista Kristen. hello she is here i think you were here sitting before i was behind the computer it
1: happens
0: is ingrid making sure everything looks good sounds good we have a phenomenal show today look at huh huh
2: goosebumps I, that's
0: how excited i am about today's show uh, so we're going to give you guys some time to get in here, as always, but we're going to go ahead and get the show started. There's already 21 people in here. Thank you so much. We noticed that about 12:15 is when it really, we get a lot of people in here. Uh, so I appreciate you being here on time. We're going to give some more time for people to come in. Today's show is going to be awesome. Yes. Because I'm looking forward to, hopefully, I know I'm going to learn a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I brought my notebook.
0: Of course you did. Yes. Of course you did. So today... Already in the green room, we have Dr. Crespo, who has a lot of letters after her name. So when we bring her in, we're going to start talking about 1215 with her. And we want to specifically talk about a subject that's in the news a lot, and that is the avian flu. And the truth be told, I really don't know much about the avian flu.
1: I've heard bits and pieces of information, and some of it contradictory, so I'm excited about this as well.
0: Yes, because here's the deal. It's a hot subject right now. It is. And I imagine there's a lot of opinions, and what I love about doctors, with all these wonderful letters after their name, they know their stuff. Mm -hmm. And what we wanted to do is share with you guys the, um, the doctors that are experts in poultry, and talk specifically about avian flu. So I got a lot of questions. I can't wait to hear what they have to say. But as always, this show is for you guys. So we are live, it is April 8th, and about 12.15 we're gonna bring Dr. Crespo in, and potentially two other doctors. There's potentially Dr. Michael Martin from NC State Veterinarian. Right. And also Dr. Rebecca, I love this last name, Dr. Rebecca Mansell. Yeah, doesn't she can it, join us. She's it, with
2: the Department of
0: Agriculture. Make sure all the levels are good. Uh, Ingrid, bring that mic a little bit closer to you. I I, I really like to hear when Ingrid has, is like, hey. <laughs> um, all right. So, but, oh, so, so, sorry. Potentially three doctors coming in, but Dr. Kress was already here. 12.15, we're going to go ahead and get started. I see the audience is coming in. Again, today we are live it's April 8th and we are going to be talking about avian flu.
2: And other chicken health things. I have some questions from Instagram as well.
0: Oh, I didn't know we were going to deviate from avian flu. I don't know if we're going to have that kind of time on our hands. Well,
2: well. Uh, a-
0: you know the best part of the promo? And, and I'm looking at Dr. Crespo down in the green room, and Dr. Crespo came up in the yes, promo, and yes. I see her smiling. We used uh, that clip. Yes, that was pretty cool.
1: Ingrid did. She did a great job on that.
0: Yes, and I think we're going to update the promo again soon because we have even more great content.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. And also, before I forget... Let me get my mug. Nan has been killing this uh, frothy, I don't know how she's doing it, this coffee. I probably had already too much this morning, but what the (laughs) hell. Um, Don't forget, we have the wonderful Golden Bell. If you haven't been to the show before and understand what this is, I love when someone gives a phenomenal comment or has just a great question because they're contributing to the show. Uh, even though our first Golden Bell winner was because he made me laugh like crazy. But hey, that works too. Uh, we're keeping an eye on the comments. If you have questions or comments, leave them down in the comment section so we can get to them, especially if you have questions about avian flu. Um, and you have a chance that if I ring this, I ring this okay. Golden no, Bell.
1: No, I did it once, right?
0: And, and rightfully so. Yes. Rightfully so. Yes. I mean, I was really hoping the guy came up with chicken manure yes. on his nose. But yes. If we ring the golden bell, you can win a free shirt. I mean, if it was only
1: you, you would have put it way over there out of my reach. Oh, but there's right Dr. Here. Mike
0: Martin calling in. Excellent. All right. So, and I know the- He's the, got limited time. Should we Well, catch that? Go ahead, Ingrid. Um, so, Dr. Mike Martin is coming in too. Also, yes, they, are, they have limited time, but I did want to do something real quick. So, we got about 10 minutes. I got a surprise for everyone. Okay. Are you ready for some surprises? All right. So, we're going to remove this golden bell because that's going to get in our way. Here we have sample one. Here.
2: But where's the poop?
0: Oh, you in the chicken poop. I'm beginning to worry about you. I know. Here is sample two, and I'm gonna explain why I'm doing this. Put it closer to you. Here is, I know, we gotta we gotta change our screenshots here. All right, so we got sample one, sample two, sample three. This is industrial hemp. We talk about this all the time. This is the world's best stuffer in the chicken coop, using for bedding. A lot of people use it for horses. Well. Truth be told, I can already see the difference. Wow. Um, I love who we buy the hemp from, but they're in Europe. And I want to get it more affordable, readily available, and looking to buy it from a company that says they have the best product, even better than the French. Um, And, of course, they need to prove it to us. And I think they may have. And they sent us a sample, just came in this morning. Is that this? It's one of these. Okay, you ready? So... We have Is three this d-
1: like a taste test?
0: Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> uh, I know you would. All right, so real quick, we have our normal hemp that we've been selling. Mm-hmm. Also, from the same manufacturing, we have the Cocoon. Now, we don't talk a lot about the Cocoon, but it's just a smaller package designed for smaller animals. Not a fan of it at all. And then we have the sample that came from the new company. And I thought before we uh, bring the doctors in to talk about avian flu... I wanted to see. Now I don't know the answer either.
1: Well, two look the same, and one looks different. I know so that's easy.
0: that's how big of a difference this is. Okay, so let's see. Uh, what I wanted to do I is could have
1: brought in a sample. Yeah,
0: but you're gonna have chicken. This is fresh. No, off I the have show.
1: fresh in my garage, but that's all right.
0: Oh, from the Netherlands, the other company. Yeah, we would definitely. You know what? We probably should have, because then you can really see yeah. the quality difference. All right, so which one do you think is the hemp we've been selling? Let's take a look at this, okay. I'm not sure if on camera you can see it. No, they look very similar, but.
1: Yeah, it just looks like.
0: Oh no, do do I have anyone out there? Can, Can our audience tell us sample one, sample two, sample three, which one have we been selling? Which one is the potential new product? Can you guys tell us? So I'm going to leave it up to the audience. We're going to leave this right here because I do want to get the doctors in here. I know their time is very valuable. We can't wait to start talking about avian flu. And if you guys have any questions, chicken health related, but I did want to hammer out avian flu because I got oh, a million absolutely. questions. So, I brought this in here. If you guys want to put a little pile on it and put it closer to That's me, actually a great idea. So I tell you what, let's uh, down the road, you know, and maybe about 1245, maybe one o'clock, we will disclose which one's which. Now, Nan has the answers. I don't um
1: for the first time yeah they, they all look pretty similar i can
0: just say i'm pretty impressed with what i think it is all right so there's that and again we are live it is april 8th welcome to video chicken live everyone leave your questions and comments in that comments box we will get to it today we are talking about avian flu are we ready for the doctors i am all right i do need one thing I, my headphones got to get turned up just a little bit just a little bit i'm hopefully we're not gonna and can p- you
1: can you put the comments can you switch those two panels
0: what do you want you want hold on Ingrid. The comments on top matt's got the mouse there we go yeah you know we don't really need that do we no look at all the comments what's going on guys i'm so glad you guys are here are we ready to get started are we ready to talk about avian flu i'm ready all righty uh ingrid you want to go ahead and bring in we have dr crespo who's been on the show before uh dr crespo has a lot of letters she's a dvm she is a ms a PhD, which is one of my favorite ones, and a DACPV. It was funny when I was asking her about this. She's like, (laughs) that is awesome. Uh, Dr. Crespo, thank you so much for being here.
3: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Uh, God, we couldn't be happier. And also, for the first time, we have Dr. Mike Martin. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Now, we've never had three windows going, so this is about to be interesting. Hopefully, let's just go add to... Add to our right. Maybe we can be in the middle. Or oh, okay, that works. That yeah, works. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so we are here, Kristen. Here, come in a little bit. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> and is it okay if I call you Dr. Michael Martin? Is that okay?
4: Yeah, whatever. I I've been around so many mics. I've been around so many Michaels. I just go by whatever anybody calls me. All hey, right. work.
0: Well, I appreciate it, uh, Dr. Michael. So I see you work for NC State Veterinarian. No.
4: no uh, I'm actually I'm I'm the North Carolina State Veterinarian. I work over the Department of Agriculture.
0: Oh. Oh, that's great. OK, well, Ingrid didn't add that note to it. Oh, Yeah, she so just- I'm,
4: the, I'm the state vet. I, all, this, all this scary disease stuff, it, it's fallen right in my lap. <laughs> oh, wow. you must
2: be busy. <laughs> you guys have to cheat closer together, I'm sorry. Yeah.
4: Well,
0: it's a little hot in here, and well, she to. ends up hitting me. Well, Dr. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Dr. Cresswell, thank you for being here. I want to just go ahead and get this started. Um, avian flu. If, if you guys aren't aware of it, our audience, there's been in the news, national news, avian flu. And what I would like is if, if, if Dr. Michael or Dr. Crespo, please explain to us.
2: It's Dr. Martin.
0: Dr. Martin. Um, sorry. Dr. Martin. In just layman's terms, I am very uneducated when it comes to avian flu. So I'm looking forward to learn a lot here. And I, I I guarantee our audience is the same way. So can you one of you explain to us what is
4: avian flu? So... Maybe Dr. Crespo, you can take like some of the background stuff and I can talk about the disease incident so we both have some time to share. How's that?
3: Sure, sure. That sounds good. Okay, so avian flu is a viral disease that affects uh, birds, affects all species of birds. Uh, some of the viruses, they are more, uh, cause more severe disease in our poultry. And those are the strains of the flu that we are most concerned about. And right now we have one of these very uh, uh, virulent viruses that affects our chickens and our turkeys. And uh, North Carolina is a state that it is uh, very agricultural and uh, poultry is a huge commodity So having the virus is going to stop us for selling or moving birds anywhere. So we cannot uh, move even out of a state. Uh, uh, We do sell eggs to other states, we cannot do it. We may uh, sell um, overseas meat, we cannot move that product. So that's part of what Dr. Martin will do uh, and he's in charge of fighting those regulatory uh, fights. Um, mm-hmm. But the virus kills the birds, um, and when the virus comes in, it actually kills them very quickly. So uh, it comes in uh, like other, uh, they, they don't show clinical signs for a week, 10 days, and then they start to show uh, clinical signs and die. Uh, they, While they don't show clinical signs, they may be shedding the virus and infecting other birds. So when the virus starts to move in the flock, we may have mortalities of up to close to 100% of the birds dying. And they are not showing signs. We may be stepping on the poop on those uh, where the birds are. We move to another uh, flock, or, or to visit friends and if we don't change shoes we may actually be passing the virus to our uh, friends with other birds too so yeah uh, okay
0: so okay that that was perfect thank you so um it, it's a form of flu and it's fatal for the birds if you don't spot it or you can't spot it right? They don't show signs until after about seven to 10 days. And then once they do start showing the signs, is there any way of saving the chickens or or the birds or it's, it's fatal.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Cause that, that was one of my questions is, you know, how do we spot and Is it, can you fix Can you help the bird? And
4: yeah, that's very, Mm -hmm. that that, that starts getting into to kind of more my neck of the realm. So um, we, We can try to detect it, but usually through testing. And uh, with this particular virus, it actually came from Eastern Europe, Western Asia, and was circulating around there, causing lots of problems for many months. And there was concerns that this virus, through migratory birds, would migrate north of the European Union, uh, go down into Newfoundland, Canada, and then through another group of migrating birds, come down through the Atlantic Americas Flyway and potentially get into our wild bird populations here in North Carolina. So our federal partners over at USDA Wildlife Services started testing very vigorously throughout hunter harvested birds. So they went to hunting sites for wild waterfowl and know that this virus can sometimes affect different birds in different ways. So for things like ducks and geese and swans, you might have some birds that die, but a lot of these birds may be just typhoid Mary. They just have the disease, they don't show any signs whatsoever, and they just carry it and spread it to other birds. And sure enough, on January 16th of this year, we got our first wild bird positive from the sampling from hunter-harvested ducks over in uh, and Hyde County. Now we saw it really again in these coastal counties but those were sampling sites of convenience and they were meant to represent the entire flyway, which covers the entire state of North Carolina. So once we had that first positive, we knew it was in our backyard in this state. We knew it was potentially everywhere. And we worked hard to try to keep it out of our domestic birds, both commercially, backyard independent flocks, And all across the country, what we were seeing is other states getting affected by this virus. Commercial farms, backyard farms, were over 90 commercial farms now that have been affected by this that ha, are now had to be depopulated because the virus is so bad and it spreads. And w- up, I think close to 40 backyard independent flocks across the state. And then at the end of March, we unfortunately had our first domestic birds in North Carolina that tested positive and that led us to setting up these surveillance zones and everything and trying to track down and contain this virus which has now affected eight commercial farms um but i think the biggest thing for me is we need to stamp this virus out we need to control it we need to make sure it doesn't affect any more of our birds and so like dr crespo was saying about you know um you know, it could kill these birds. We want to prevent it from getting into everybody's birds, all of your viewers, and they can't just sit there and focus in on, oh, it's in Wayne and Johnston County right now in these commercial flocks. It's in our backyard in this state. And so they need to just be watching their birds, working with veterinarians like Dr. Crespo and others across the state. If they have disease issues where they're worried about mortality, they need to be working with people like Dr. Crespo, other veterinarians that see poultry and making sure they can get some good information because, um, you know, it, we can't be overly concerned at this point, um, and and our bets like Dr. Crespo are are critical to helping us kind of go through like what is causing this problem? Is it even influenza? Or is it something else? Um, oh. And it's it's all about the poop. It really is. Um, we we think of this virus being spread from these wild birds first and foremost. And anybody who could have come in contact with the droppings from these birds, they need to be thinking of this virus like it's wet paint. And where do I go next after I test wet paint, touch wet paint, right? So I touch this, and if I don't wash it up, I'm spreading it everywhere I touch from there on. So wash your hands, change your clothes, dedicated shoes for your poultry, try to keep them indoors and away from wild birds is what we were strongly messaging.
0: So actually, you were just starting to talk about what was going to be my next question. I'm sure it's on everyone's mind is what do we do? Now, we focus on the homeowner that has the backyard chickens, typically, you know, six chickens, maybe up to 20 chickens on average. I know some have less, some have more. But you get the idea is and we are huge advocates of just trying to do everything that makes sense. It's going to make sure the chickens are safe and healthy. And, you know, I I want how long has the avian flu been around um, cause I want to feel like I've heard this come yeah. up before, but it seems like whatever's going on right now might be
4: worse. Well, no. over a century, we've known about this virus. Okay. Um, the last time th- a strain like this hit the United States was in 2015, give or take, and oh. Uh-oh. he
3: froze. So just to follow up, it was in 2014, hit on the West Coast. It was at the end in November. And then it moved to the Midwest in uh, February, March. And it hit most of it. It was commercial poultry at that time. Um, So that was the last outbreak that we have of the virus. We had a little scare uh, here in North Carolina, South Carolina, and um, in uh, May uh, 2020, it affected five flocks only, and it didn't move anywhere else. Um, but uh, now we have this, this one is uh, spreading all over the United States.
0: Okay, so it's, it's more contagious?
3: Um, I don't think it's more contagious. I think is there are more birds uh, in this area that don't have antibodies. They've never been exposed before, Mm -hmm. and they are shedding the virus more. Um, So like Dr. Mike Martin said earlier, waterfowl, like geese, ducks, and uh, swans, they may... Get get infected with the disease, and they don't show clinical signs, and they shed the virus. If they don't have, um, they they've never been exposed to the virus before. The virus is able to reproduce, and they are uh, shedding more of the virus.
0: Wow, way to step in! Like she, boom! I, I love it. I love that. Thank you, Dr. Crespo, for that. Uh, so sorry, uh, Dr. Mart, we lost you there for a minute, and, and Dr. Crespo was able no, to step right in. And she's like, it's like you guys knew exactly what you were. We, say. we know
4: we know each other very well. <laughs> so that's awesome. So um, I, I tell you, th- one thing I want to definitely emphasize, and and Dr. Crespo can definitely go into more details and such. Two big things, biosecurity wise, these people need to be thinking about: think about the wet paint, and keep your birds indoors when at all possible. Okay. those are like really big biosecurity things that your viewers can be doing
0: so i'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because again i really wanted to share with everyone i want to learn what can we do to prevent this and also my other question is when someone thinks their chicken may show signs of avian flu what is it that they are to do
4: report call dr, <laughs> call dr. <laughs> so, well Crespo. and we're all yeah, over the I, country I,
2: I, so we want to
4: yeah there's, there's a there's a lot of things that you can be doing um Right now, you could reach out to your federal uh, animal health officials. You could reach out to your state animal health officials. You could reach out to your state diagnostic labs. You could reach out to your local veterinarian. And the reason why I encourage a lot of your viewers to start with your veterinarian on the ground is because they have a really good ability to help sort out some of that initial concern is this avian influenza, or is there something else going on here? Yes. Uh, whereas we're at the state level, we're really more about response. Hey, is it avian influenza? Okay, great, it's not. And then we're moving down the road. So Dr. Crespo and the, the vet school and the program she has there, there are other veterinarians across the state. We've got a list of veterinarians on our website that see poultry. Um, those are your front line of defense. They give you a lot of good information that goes just beyond Avian influenza in this current threat. I have, Dr. A, Crespo, I'll let you.
2: I have a question I have too. Questions. I was just wondering if somebody goes to a park and there's wild geese or wild ducks and they're there with their kids or or whatever, and they may have gotten poop on their shoes and come back to their chickens. Is that? I mean, can it be that contagious that that poop sitting in that park can you can mm-hmm. bring it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I love the wet
0: paint analogy Yeah, Yeah. that makes perfect sense. And again, I I always say, don't bring up when I was a bug guy, but I remember biosecurity going into pharmaceuticals and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, plant factories where we actually had to put, walk through a sanitary bath with our feet mm-hmm, yeah. to, to disinfect our feet. I mean, it's amazing, especially penicillin plants where you could just, it's amazing what you could have on you. You wouldn't even realize it. So it, it's really that simple. I love the wet paint analogy and it's transferred through feces, right? Is is that the only way or is that the most, just the most common way? Go
4: ahead,
0: Dr. Crespo. Uh, no,
3: no, it is also transmitted through uh, oral, uh, and in the air as well. So um, when the birds sneeze, they may pass through the mucus. Um, yeah, in waterfowl, like I said, they don't show clinical signs. So the virus start. they take it in either through the nose or the mouth. And then because they survive, they start pooping everything and they poop the virus to part of the virus. Okay. Now, other animals that uh, don't survive as long it only stays in the upper respiratory or uh, upper uh, digestive tract. And when they are coughing or when they are drinking, um, they're going to pass the virus. So uh, having a water sanitation is important. So to prevent passing the virus or any, for that matter, any respiratory disease to other animals in the flock. Uh, but also we talk about aerosol transmission. So that's how the virus may pass to a little bit farther away. And when we talk about biosecurity, we don't talk just that you have a fence and then the birds are on the other side of the fence. We talk about isolation. Mm -hmm. So you have birds on one side of your house and the other birds maybe on the other side of the house. So biosecurity is not to have, are they, do you keep a quarantine? So you don't have quarantine if you have then the fence and they can see each other. You have the <laughs> quarantine, is has to be isolation completely. So that's a very important too, because they pass through the air. So if, like I say, if they cough or there is infection, um, even in the litter when it aerosolized and they kind of like dust bathe and everything, that can be aerosolized and, and move around. And
4: so when we, we think of all those things that Dr. Crespo mentioned, this is the way the virus is getting out of the birds. Now you got to think about how is the virus going to get into your birds, right? So is it gonna be from direct wild bird contact, people spreading it, vehicles spreading it? You gotta think of all these things that we act we call as fomites carrying the virus as it comes out of the birds into a naive group of birds. And that's where people need to be thinking.
0: How long does the virus live in that? when it's being transferred. So let's say I go to the park, there's some Canadian geese and I step in the, in the droppings and I didn't realize it. I'm going to come back to my flock later that day. Um, there's that wet paint analogy you talked about. If I walk into that, the chicken coop with the droppings, but is there um, a lifetime of, I mean, how long does it live after it's out of the animal?
3: You want to respond, or I go? No, go ahead. Go go ahead.
4: Yeah, I'll let you go.
3: Okay. So in in the lab, if we keep the temperature high, and and if many of your listeners make compost litter, and you know that to compost you have to increase the temperature to above one hundred and forty-five, so if in a compost pile about one hundred and forty-five uh, in seventy-two hours, you can. Uh, I think it's, it's one hundred and forty-five, one hundred and sixty, Doctor Martin. I don't remember.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I was hearing. I think the latest ones we use for our compost piles is one hundred and thirty-one for three days straight.
3: For three days, 70, 72 hours, hundred at least. I, I like to compost at one hundred and forty-five because it also kills other uh, bacteria too that they may affect uh, badly to the birds. So the minimum is one hundred and forty-five three days, maintaining at that temperature three days, and that's a compost. That is sufficient to kill the virus. Now, you cannot survive at 145 in the environment. It's too hot. Yes. So uh, uh, the lower the temperature is, the longer the virus is going to survive, the more moisture that is in in the environment, the more the virus can survive. So if that poop stays moist, that virus can survive for seven, for 10 days, 15 days longer. They have talked yeah. in the 2014, 2015 outbreak that the virus actually survived in the frozen water uh, with the birds and then when the water defrost in the spring, that's when the virus started to spread. So it actually survived <laughs> in that frozen water for months.
0: Wow. Cue the doom and gloom music, Ingrid. (laughs) Wow. I was not expecting that at all.
4: Okay. So doom and gloom, yes. But, you know, avian influenza does work a lot of ways like human influenza does in human populations. And so we are hopeful that there is an actual seasonality to this. Uh, Historically, there has been. And so for us, you know, because it's when, you, when when things get too scary and too intimidating for people, they're, they're t- sometimes this is feeling like, well, why should I bother? You know, it, it is, like you say, gloom and doom. But what we're really trying to do is to get the other side of this disease event. It is really intimidating right now based upon what's happening nationally and what's happening in North Carolina right now. And we just need people to tighten their belts just to get through to the other side of this season. We're not sure, based upon migratory birds based upon temperatures. There's a lot of factors that go into it. We're not sure when this season will end, but we need to just get to the end. It's not gonna be every day for here on out. And then we learn from it. And then the next season, we know more. We know better how to control this disease than the last time it hit in 2015. So we learn every single time and we do better every single time in my opinion.
1: So we, we, we're expecting this to pewter out later this year, like a flu season?
4: That is the expectation. Okay. That's,
1: and is that is that good. because of the, the migrating patterns or?
4: Partially. Okay. But again, there's a lot of factors that go into it. A lot of these migrating birds have already moved out. Mm-hmm. But what we saw at the end of our wild bird testing is we started seeing species of birds that are not migratory, that are resident birds that started testing positive for it. So like, for example, when USDA Wildlife Services was testing all those hunter-harvested ducks, we had these migratory ducks living in the Carolinas. Where we're like, oh yeah, we're stuck with it for a while. And all of a sudden we started seeing the wood ducks getting positive for this virus. Well, wood ducks oftentimes are resident birds. And so that suggests then, yeah, this is gonna be with us a little bit longer than just the migratory pathway. There's gonna be some other factors, like again, the flu season, temperatures, things like that, that are gonna be a role.
2: so i think we have a lot of also have a lot of questions but i think when when you guys say to keep them indoors we you don't mean have our like backyard flock in our living room watching netflix and chilling so i'm thinking that there are what what exactly do you mean when you say keep them indoors
4: they they, they do have chicken diapers i've seen well um, i know
2: we know mike Trapp keeps his stuff. chicken inside <laughs> and, and watches netflix and chill with with phyllis but other than that most people don't
4: You're right in the coop, away from wild birds, some, you know, again, as best as you can, right? So there was some of the things Dr. Crespo, I know, shared some of the websites where it was like 10 points, 10 tips on avian Mm -hmm. influenza. And there's things there that's like, you know, say you have an open enclosure, can you at least tarp the top so that wild birds flying overhead don't put droppings, you know, poop on your birds, right?
3: Right. Right.
4: Those types of things. Dr. Crespo, if you have anything you want to add.
3: Yeah, that's it. so when I go to uh, flocks, and I know people want to see the birds in the backyard. So one of the very, very important things is consider if you have waterfowl or access to waterfowl. Don't encourage waterfowl or wildlife uh, to be feeding in your yard if you have chickens at this point. So no wild bird uh, uh, feed uh, feeders, no... Um, uh, feeding waterfowl. So you may have your property, and then it's a beautiful river just behind the property where uh, waterfowl may land there. So discourage those waterfowl. And if you cannot discourage the waterfowl, do not let your chickens fence it out. So your chickens or your own birds do not go and intermingle with that waterfowl because those are a high risk. Um, So that's where I am just uh, saying uh, people who live or keep their uh, birds in the middle of the city, away from uh, ponds, away from waterfowl, that they don't have wildlife, they are at a lower risk than people may live in a big uh, uh, property where they have waterfowl access. It's just uh, saying that. Um, Now, chickens, and like Dr. Uh, Martin said, um, don't like to be out in the open because even though there is no waterfowl around or high hypothebian influenza, there is going to be a flying uh, predator, like a hawk or a, or a bald eagle. I mean, they are out there. People are always fighting against those hawks. So to have a covered area where the birds um, just outside the coop and in, at this point, you may want just to keep them on that covered area around the coop. That would be a good idea. So that will minimize uh, the, the the chances, uh, reduce chances of getting uh, bird through.
0: So I'm glad you just said everything you said because um, here is a great example. And, and and we often talk about why we design the coops way we do, and we came up with a standard concept where you have a hen house and you have a covered run and we are huge fans of free ranging but never did I dream in a million years that having a covered run would be another benefit from preventing from avian flu
1: yeah it might save their life
0: it could very yep. well save their life and we've been hearing this a lot with customers calling in asking for emergency run extensions because mm-hmm. you know we do again we're huge fans of free range we know the benefits that the it gives the chickens but it what I'm hearing is we just got to be able to quarantine them from the outside world but we don't want the chickens that especially if they've been free-ranging they're gonna go crazy they know they're gonna squat we might just
1: have to put up with some complaining
0: um so right here uh dr crespo and and dr martin uh is an example you know we have so many examples of coops out there but our standard go-to is to have that solid roof run and i often refer to uh, our customers to think of it as the canopy of the forest when chickens didn't have coops already um so one thing that is a thought, and I want to say this was brought up last week when we talked about, well, what do we do to prevent this? And why we want to do the show today is by having that solid roof run is going to help protect the chickens greatly. But I can't remember who said this, but I think, we, it
1: was, I, think I know what you're going to say about yeah, the watering system. Exactly.
0: We are huge fans of capturing rainwater and using that for a water system for the chickens. But if there are droppings on top of that roof now, I, I, I I'm thinking, man, I wonder if it's cooking it up to 100 and I think Dr. Cress mm. was at 100 40 degrees or 41 degrees but I doubt that that no, there's a high not. risk that yeah we're that, not
1: summer yet so
0: yeah so there's a high risk that we might need to advise our customers that have one of our coops to Eliminate capturing rainwater because that's just going right. to that's
4: yeah. going to escalate. That's going to be the opposite because
1: that's a lot of roof area to
4: that, that earth, you're concentrating things. I, mm-hmm. you're, the coop is beautiful, by the way. I, I'm not trying to plug your products by any Please means. Please do, thank good. you. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> um, that the the but you're right. You know that that type of enclosure is exactly what we're talking about. And I couldn't see the details, but you know we don't know a lot about the little songbird type species. Uh, we we've got some research and shows in past events and stuff, but for this particular disease event, people haven't been looking and focusing in on them, but based upon other disease events, it wouldn't surprise me if even some of these little songbirds might be getting affected. And so having a nice fine mesh that keeps yes. the little songbirds out, all that stuff. So that's why I, again, the examples like you shown would prevent disease, but yeah, don't.
0: Sorry. Sorry. I hit the wrong, hit the wrong. Hit the raw. I just pulled an in Ingrid. Ingrid, where'd it go?
2: What are you looking for?
0: I don't know. It's getting <laughs> so hot in here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm, getting all giddy uh, that Dr. Martin just plugged our product. We did not pay him. No, we did no, not no, ask just, him to do that. But there was, I, you know. I he just
1: anything. said it was nice. Yes.
0: No, he said more than that. He was probably nice. just being
1: polite. A so,
4: example of what we want people to
0: do. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why I wanted to bring that up, just to show you guys. Because, again, this show is it's about. It's like when
1: you get a bad haircut and someone says, hey, nice haircut.
0: Yeah.
4: Oh, i to say mind. something. So you know,
0: we we do this show. I mean, Carolina Coops pays for, it, and it's one. I love to sell our coops, but there's reasons why we build our coops the way we do. But it's often also for the people that are looking to build their own coop. You know, and I always tell people, if you're not going to buy one of my products and learn from us on how to build it, and this is just the point I wanted to make, is another reason why I can't emphasize enough that solid roof run, and um, I wanted to show you guys, you know, that you know, a basic. Design where we always have the hen house where they sleep at night and they lay their eggs in the egg hutch. But when they come out, we want them to have as much room as possible. So, you know, because chickens they get really stressed if they don't have a lot of room, but just another huge emphasis for that solid roof run. and But now, probably, is the time if you are collecting rainwater through one of our systems, or I know a lot of people make their own system. Gosh, it's so, so convenient. So, we should
1: stop that. Is that yeah, yeah. And, and maybe this would be the time to have a nipple water where you don't have an open trough.
0: Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is eliminate the gutter, but you can still use the rain system
1: right. and
0: you know, and just fill it up with regular right. water. But
1: yeah. I was also thinking about the more traditional open trough, gravity-fed waters. Mm-hmm. There should be some sort of risk with those as well. And Probably less, and just,
4: but... And I, I apologize in advance. Unfortunately, I do have to run it's been a great pleasure to, to meet you guys. And, you know, if anything else comes up, please let me know. Okay.
0: Absolutely. I know we, we, uh, we took a lot of your time, Dr. Michael Martin. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yes, right. Thank you. Thank you. Take,
4: care. Take
1: care. I do have another question. Is it, does this affect humans? Oh, We're not seeing any, any transmission to people. Okay.
3: Not right now. No, okay. no, no. Yeah. so they have been, uh, there was a, a several years ago, it was like in 2000, beginning of 2000, it was in Hong Kong, where there was an avian flu. And they, uh, uh, by culture, they, uh, in uh, Hong Kong, they live very close to their uh, chickens. Uh, so, uh, and the chickens were able to pass the disease to humans, but there was no transmission between humans and humans. And oh, there were okay. uh, a few individuals that uh, were severely uh, sick, and a few, old, a few still, but they passed away. But that was uh, in the early two thousands. So this is a different virus, and there is a. I cannot say in science you never say never. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very minimal uh, uh, chance. I. I joke with my husband when he says oh you have to be careful he's like oh, well you know i will be one of the first ones to <laughs> i will be one of the first ones to be infected if he passes to humans
0: right <laughs> right um I, I tell you i was just thinking and I, in the back of my mind i was like should i ask should i not um do i have my tinfoil hat anywhere okay we don't so there is another thing i did want to discuss and i wasn't sure with dr martin on if we should or not because he he, was, he works for the state he's from the state and um there there is some chatter out there you know they didn't call it a conspiracy theory but i can't help but you know being a business person i'm always scared about will this or how will this affect people that have backyard chickens and in my mind i'm thinking we have the ability to make sure that this avian flu doesn't negatively affect us, Mm -hmm. and in a huge way because we have the ability to control and isolate in a high-quality manner. Um, Raising chickens for me, and more importantly, which most of our customers do, raise the eggs. And Dr. Crespel said something right at the very beginning of the show that I was like, I I really didn't think about it, but it makes sense how severe it can be with the commercial side of things. Where I was just assuming you know, going to a lot of commercial farms, they're all enclosed. So I'm thinking, oh, they got to be protected. But boy, one person walks in with that wet paint on their feet, mm-hmm. you can, you know, eliminate the entire flock. And then the other thing is, again, think business. They're not allowed to sell their commodity. So, you know, I, I wanted to kind of get the doctor's what, opinion. The,
2: so eggs are no longer for sale. No, what? well they no. they can't. They, you can't take them out of the the country or the state. Correct. You have to keep it.
3: Well, if if the flock becomes infected, you have that flock is eliminated. Right.
2: Right.
3: So When they have an outbreak in commercial that uh, in the area that they are like quarantine area, they have to test that flock every day. They have to move the eggs to sell them to the supermarket. They cannot move product. Each day they have to test their flock to make sure it's negative
2: while they are in the quarantine area. Yeah. So it's going to affect egg prices and chicken prices and turkey prices. Right. Right.
0: So, you know, me, you know, I love my tinfoil hat. I'm always like, oh, the government's going to say, oh, you can't have backyard chickens because we're the ones contributing to it. But what I'm hearing is the opposite. And I'm so glad to hear that. And I just want to uh, hopefully help a lot of our listeners and viewers that, again, are... Most of them are probably on the fence. Should we get chickens or not? And it's just another box to check that says, yes, I should, because we may not have eggs in the stores because of avian flu. It's just another way to protect yourself from running out of a product. And I just I just wasn't sure what a state representative would say, especially no, if they're talking I, to.
3: No, I need to, and like he said, we are learning every time, uh, so hopefully we improve. Hopefully we don't have outbreaks, but if we had outbreaks, we'll be able to manage them better and isolate the affected animals better. Um, So initially it was like, well, if something is uh, affected, we are going to uh, just kill everything in this area. And now we are testing and uh, we don't let a product to move around. We are actually realizing that uh, we we have like different compartments in the in the poultry wall. so it, uh, it's not just the small flocks that they don't relate to the commercial, but even within the commercial, we know that some like the turkeys and the layers they may have business together and they relate together, but maybe the breeders don't relate to them, so they they have a compartment that so when you are l- when we are talking about the um, outbreaks, for instance, in the 2020 I mentioned, they were breeders. In here, we don't have any breeders involved, but we do have a few a small flocks or a backyard flocks, and we have a lot of meat type animals and a few layers. So they are kind of, a, they they, in some way, it's a fomite, like we said. Either, like in the commercial, maybe they're rendering the uh, tracks. So when the, the birds die, they have to they send them somewhere. So when they move with the track out, they they may transfer the disease. Um, I said about the egg. They test every time to make sure that we don't uh, move eggs that may be infected and infecting. Other flocks, the track that picks up those eggs is going to go and pick up eggs right. from other farms. Right. We are trying to make sure that, that doesn't pass around. We have stopped the in the small flocks for many of you that may exhibit poultry, they have stopped those exhibitions. And the reason for mm-hmm. stopping the exhibitions is not to, we don't want you to show birds, is we want to make sure because sometimes they they don't they are still in this incubation period that don't show clinical signs we don't want that you take your precious chicken from the mm-hmm. show and then suddenly not only you lose that precious chicken but you lose the rest of the flock because you are bringing uh, the infection into your flock
0: yeah it just made so, me yeah. oh I'm sorry so it just made me realize with the you know I saw an email come through the other day for our local tour to coup yeah, and I, you know, I'm a huge fan of being. People go around see other coops and how they're building, and we want to help get that show back on the road. But
2: yeah, not in this climate not, right yeah. now.
1: Mm-mm. But wow. we hopefully we
2: can do it again. And Maybe. I
1: just want to clarify too: it's not spread through the eggs;
3: it's the egg delivery that is the concern. So two things: it can actually pass. The the virus will get into the oviduct of the hen, and it can actually get inside the egg. However, that egg usually is going to die. So it's not going to be a chick that is going to uh, hatch and is, is infected. But if that egg uh, cracks or um, or if it's any poop over the shell and there is the virus, then then that can actually pass, the, the virus can pass around. Not to humans, but to not another to flock. But typically What's we don't on?
1: take eggs from one flock to be well. consumed by another flock. Well,
3: no, but you have, for instance, many of the breeders. Some people actually uh, sell eggs. Oh, hatching eggs. eggs. Hatching eggs. Okay, Okay. okay.
2: We have so many questions. Yeah, so,
0: yes. So um, I I wanted to actually, that was going to be the next thing I say because Dr. Crespo, I don't know how much more time we have with you. If I can steal some more of your time, we would sure. be so grateful. Our viewers would be so grateful. There are so many questions coming in right now. So, I, and I'm glad I see Ingrid over there poking around. I would love to do a rapid fire if we could okay. for the questions Let's so try. our viewers can benefit from them staying here, watching. Uh, I hope everyone's enjoying it. And just so I can say it again, we are live right now. It is Friday. It is April 8th. We have Dr. Crespo on with us we just got done talking about avian flu everything that we need to know um, to spot it and prevent it so I hope everyone gained from that and we also did say we had some health chicken questions
2: right right, let's get it and some of the questions that were asked on we have already answered which is is nice so some of the things Mm -hmm. about um, not really being able if you have an infected hen that you're probably not going to be able to keep it contained to one hen Basically, if your flock, one chicken in your flock gets infected, it's going to pass rapidly before um, you even realize. And that it does affect the eggs in the way that you just asked, uh, just talked about. Um, But someone said, um, does the deep litter bedding or deep litter method breed any kind of viruses or bacteria by just using deep litter? Or is that a better thing to do?
3: No, the deep litter is, is is great if you manage right. Um, as long as it's dry, uh, it will actually prevent um, bacteria from uh, multiplying and actually minimize uh, parasites too. Um, the virus is going to be there; it's going to be with the feces. Uh, so, if there is no, if the birds don't consume the feces that they may be in the litter, sure, it's going to die. Like. Just yes, because if the if the deep litter is managed correctly with uh, very dry, that virus should not survive much more than, uh, like I said, with with high temperature and, and dry, more than 72 hours doesn't right. survive.
0: Our coops just keep getting cooler. I right know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so not only would that solid roof run, never in a million years would I ever think is the deep litter is all about saving you time. It is healthy for the chickens. And by, you know, what, what Dr. Crespo just said, it actually can actually help prevent the spread of avian well, flu because you
2: use the, the the hemp which keeps it very dry yeah
0: think right. about it so you're not in there moving it. it around possibly touching wet paint because it can sit there for so long having the right litter is going to help dry it out it does and it's out. so much cleaner or it does dry it out exactly so wow check another box for the deep litter system wow. that is awesome
2: so we had another question um how and this is more for Matt, but I, I want Dr. Crespo, how do you effectively treat lice or mites? And do you recommend that Elector PSP, which is?
3: I do like Elector because uh-huh. it's organic. Uh, it's a spinosad, it's the active ingredient is spinosad. Right. Um, so it depends on the, you are talking about lice and mites, um, not about the mite because the is probably not going to be affected as much by uh, the Elector uh, but uh, that works if you actually use uh, the product and make sure not only to spray it on the bird, but also spray the coop because mm-hmm. they will not, they, those parasites are not constantly on the bird. They will actually uh, go out of the bird and they will hide in the crevices of the coop or in the roost or whatever they can. And then once the effect goes away, they will go back on the bird. So, just make sure to treat the bird as well as the coop. What right. would you recommend for a scaly leg? For a scaly leg, you can, uh, there are some drugs I, you have to go. Uh, what I do is actually use Vaseline. Okay. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I do.
0: And the so, Vaseline does what?
3: Uh, it does mothers the the mite. Now, that mite has a shorter lifespan than the mite, like the northern fowl mite or the red mite that you see in the vent area. So uh, while elector or other drugs for that are labeled for um, uh, mites and lice are going to be like every three weeks, you treat them every three weeks. In the case with a skele mite, you want at least to put the Vaseline every week. Because they every week, they, they it's not going to affect only the adults. It's not going to affect the, the eggs. Right. So they will hatch. So you want to put that Vaseline very re- regular to make sure that when they hatch, they don't breathe and they die.
2: Okay. So Fishing Matt Ryan, had he had a comment, and he also had a comment in here, and it's the same thing. He said when he bought his um, chicks, they were vac- he was told they were vaccinated for Marex, but he just mm-hmm. had to put one down because it had marricks. Mm-hmm. Can that happen? And can you explain about
3: Marex?
0: Wait a minute, a vaccine not work? Is that what I'm hearing or no?
3: Yeah, so Mm. that's what they call vaccine failure. Uh, So there could be different reasons for a vaccine failure. So one is that uh,
0: the... Sorry. Sorry.
3: (laughs) So the vaccine failure could be that uh, the bird was vaccinated um that vaccine is to be given on day one at Hatch. And the reason is because the MAREX virus is everywhere in the environment. And uh, they pick up the virus and they stay dormant. The virus stays dormant on the bird. So you don't know that the bird is infected with the virus. If you vaccinate after they have been exposed to the virus, then the vaccine is not going to work. They already have the virus. Uh, now, in the event that they, are, they vaccinate before they're exposed to the virus, you say, oh, they're vaccinated now, I am going to put them outside where there is the virus, and you don't give time to the vaccine to take effect, then um, the immunity hasn't developed, so the virus still can, can uh, reproduce in that bird and produce the disease. Or if you don't clean properly then there is a heavy load of the virus out there. So it's going to be uh, more difficult for the immune system to overcome the load. And that's where they may get. And the other major problem is those viruses, just like uh, bacteria or even humans, we try to adapt and survive. So the Marex vaccine, the flu vaccine, everything, the, the flu virus, sorry, they all try to survive. Right. So you vaccinate, 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 and the virus actually becomes more uh, virulent and tries to overcome the vaccine. So mm. sometimes if you have a very virulent virus, may may actually overcome the vaccine and, and override that vaccine.
2: I also, one of your doctors had told me um, that usually after about a year and a half, though, because even if a chicken... It, is vaccinated or unvaccinated for Marix, that they are exposed to it and will build up enough immunity yeah. to not to not get sick and die from it because chickens are exposed to it all the time. We're not even aware Correct. of it.
3: Correct. So, So one of the things is to be exposed and be infected. And another one is to be having the disease. So, and the same happened with the vaccines. The vaccine will protect, any vaccine will protect against the disease. It doesn't protect against the infection. If you get become infected, the virus cannot multiply as much. You have fewer uh, particles that you can shed and less chance of passing the disease. Um, So the same if, uh, once you are exposed, if you are exposed with very low levels, you will not develop the disease still the chicken is able to pass the the virus to other not protected birds. Okay.
2: So uh, we have another question. What kind of cleaner should we use to clean the floors after you come from somebody's cooper? Or what What, what should we be looking for when we say like biosecurity and cleaning?
3: So what I, I always say is uh, the best is not disinfection. Disinfection is like the frosting on the cake. <laughs> You really have to do cleaning, so the cleaning, the elbow grease that you go and rub, 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 rub. that's what you really need to do. Uh, so, in uh, make sure if you have the shoes, just make sure you don't have any dirt left on the shoes. Um, when I go to visit flocks, I actually I, I am kind of lazy, so rather than using and cleaning the the boots, I actually put cover, uh, cover. Uh, I cover my shoes. So I make sure I have uh, boot covers everywhere I go. So I don't have, I still, when I get in the truck, I will spray with uh, the shoe just in case there is something, but what, it shouldn't be the dirt.
0: What would you spray?
3: Lysol. You can use a, a Lysol spray, any disinfectant, because you it's a secondary. You, you have your, your shoe cover. So I don't expect any dirt being accumulated in the grooves of the, on the sole of the shoe. Because there is already with a plastic boot.
2: Yeah, when they come to your flock, they are like a has they're like head to toe and has fat They are very good with their they're covered.
0: Right, right. So what it's I took amazing. away from that is again elbow grease. You got to physically remove what the virus could be transporting on. In this case, is the other, <laughs> broke down fecal matter that the virus mm-hmm. is on, and um, maybe when we think about what should we spray, it's more what can be used to help remove that physical material more than try to kill it, if I'm, if I'm hearing that correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes good sense. Um, this is awesome. So we have three minutes to one o'clock But okay. Dr. Crespo. If you still have time, I'd love to, you know, Ingrid's doing her due diligence over there. There's more questions if you have time. Yeah.
2: Do you have a few more minutes, Dr. Crespo? Sure. Okay, awesome. sure. Awesome, thank you. So they were asking about the rainwater. And if you use the rainwater to to water your plants, can the chickens eat the plants? Like, is can it get... That can like if I collect rainwater from my roof and I water my garden with it, which I do. Can those chickens, if they have duck poop or something, on my roof? Holy,
1: that's a good question. Uh, I would think not because the plants aren't going to have it. Yeah, but if
0: the chickens go out, I mean, my God, the 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 uh, the transferring of the wet paint is. But we if just,
1: there's, like, water still on the plant? Well, like, uh, it's not going to be in the plant. The plant's well, not going to have the disease. I,
3: and I agree, and and this is where I think it's a great question. If you go to agriculture and they put fertilized on a plant, you cannot harvest that, that plant for a certain period of time, and depending where you are harvesting, whether it's a tree or there is, like, a potato. So you you put the fertilizer and... You have to wait mm-hmm. before that you can you can uh, consume it. So, in that sense, it's, it's just like I've it never occurred to me. So it's a, an excellent question. It's like if you are using and the water is contaminated, would the water be in the soil? And if the birds scratch and they pecked on this area, or if there is any reminiscence of the water that you use for the watering on those plants, could that be still the virus there? That's an excellent question. I have no, I have no answer for that one, but it's a great question.
2: We also thank you. We also have someone that was saying that in their Facebook groups, they said that once the temperature hits sixty degrees and above on average, that we won't have to worry about the virus. But you guys were saying earlier mm-hmm. that that wasn't true. That actually the
0: heat, it if anything is gonna make it worse, right? Right, because they to well, get up to a certain time.
3: Well. Uh, the the warmer it is, the, the nicer. But sixty is a very comfortable temperature. It's not going to kill the virus uh, at that temperature. They will survive. Um, so we are like I was, I was telling the people. Like if I live in California or Texas, once the summer hits with hundred degrees and dry, I would not worry about it. Mm. But but here in North Carolina, with the humidity. I don't have all of it with me because that humidity is going to allow that virus to survive a little bit longer.
2: Right, and how long do people need to worry about keeping their their flock protected, their backyard flocks we're talking about? Always,
3: always. Well, I mean,
2: in, in reference, yes, but in reference to this virus, do we think when, like, when do we think that we might be in the clear? When
0: can they take the mask off? (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, I wish I had. <laughs> I wish I had a crystal ball, and I tell you, Yeah, uh, hopefully, with the summer, it will be. Uh, we should be able uh, to do it if we go back to what other outbreaks have happened. Usually, uh, they have extended to May, uh, and uh, then June. Once that really the hot weather starts in June, we have uh, seen that those numbers going down or disappear.
2: Can you reuse, a, if you if somebody had a, a flock that was infected, um, somebody had said here in a question that they heard that they burned down their coop. Um, oh, like, no. That you, you can clean your coop and and be able to use that coop again if you had.
3: Oh, yeah. So what I will do if I was infected and hope I is not infected, that I really hope that none of you get infected. Um, just leave that coop empty. And if you and wash everything, like I said, with elbow grease, like I said, clean everything very well. Uh, Once you have removed all the um, organic matter, uh, then you can uh, disinfect at that time. And then, if you leave it for two months empty with no chickens, uh, then you can put back at that time. We uh, we think that virus is gone after two
0: months. Uh Aha. Okay, so when I asked, I was kind of hoping to hear something like that when I was asking earlier the question about how long can the virus last? So, two months, 60 days of guaranteed no possible introduction.
3: Correct. And you you cannot have animals on the property. So you cannot have a chicken or anything like that. It has to be completely empty, so the virus cannot infect anything. So once you clean, you forget that even you have the coop for two months. You just don't step there, don't move the virus, just stays there, it's clean, let it let it sit for two months.
2: Um now we have one of our fans that said when the birds migrate south in the fall, is the disease expected to recur? Like are we gonna get a resurgence when they migrate again?
3: Uh, so usually, like I said earlier in the program, is uh, the ones that are passing most of the virus is those birds that don't have, uh, they haven't built up the immunity. Okay. So in, in waterfowl, they, they usually, they many times don't show clinical signs, but they shed the, the virus. So hopefully when they migrate south, they are uh, older birds that they already have immunity, so they won't shed as much, much virus. It's usually the younger birds that the ones that are passing the virus around.
0: So there, there, there's a huge benefit from natural immunity. Is that what mm-hmm. it's called? Yeah. Oh, well, cue the helicopter. Yeah. So I, again, I, can't, I always think about business. Imagine that you have this flock that you're like, okay, my birds, this chicken, this hen and this rooster have natural immunity to this, this strain of avian flu. And then that gene should be passed along to the baby chicks, right? And you could breed this baby chick and say, hey, they are born with that natural immunity. Because I know that worked. We were taught that a lot with insects, that certain insects will naturally have immunity to that pesticide. And it's not that they built it up. They already had it. But because they survived and the other ones died, when they start reproducing, they pass along that immunity. So that's literally Yeah,
3: Yeah, now keep in mind that the immunity that they pass from the mother to the chick, it lasts for a very short
0: time. So, so, it's not going to work.
3: No. Dang. It. No. Well, okay. nice. No,
1: <laughs> and yeah, uh, I, I wanted to ask um, every now and then a backyard flock has a bird that dies suddenly, and mm-hmm. that's just a, a, a fact of life. If you have one that dies and then none of the others die, could you assume that that's not avian
3: flu? Because yeah, it's 100% it,
1: fatal? Well, uh,
3: you never assume. It is possible, okay. it is unlikely. Yeah. Um, if you think how many small flocks are out there in United States, and yeah. the, Dr. Martin said like forty flocks have been affected, so it's like there's very little chance to to get. You guys are doing a good job okay. of maintaining the virus, the virus away. So um, if one dies, it may. I mean, I, I was... the. the the other day on a, on a flock visit, and, and one bird died, and no, it was not. But we actually tested for flu to make sure, okay, and it, uh, that it was not there. In many states, because there is a, a current outbreak, um, they don't charge for the testing. So if you want to test your bird for the flu, just call the the state laboratory and say, if I bring the bird that died. They tell you what the the problem is, and they actually make they uh, they will the test for the, for flu. So you, it depends on the state. Some states are still charge, but some states will have it for free because of the situation with uh, bird flu right now.
1: Okay, so if one dies, you may be able to take it to the state vet to have it tested for avian flu for free. For free,
3: you you always can take it to the diagnostic yes. lab. some states will actually do the testing for free. Some others will have a a nominal charge. I think in in here they charge like $35 for the flu test.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then uh, someone mentioned taking it to your local vet. Um, That would be very expensive, wouldn't it?
3: Uh, yeah v- the veterinarians are more expensive uh, they usually a uh, uh, visit will be anywhere between hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars yeah. uh, usually yeah. a, a private vet yeah yeah.
0: Um, all right. So I just wanted to mention real quick and I appreciate our fans out there. And I always forget to say it that, you know, thank you to Carolina coops that pays for this show and anything you guys can do. And I never get to see it on the viewers. And if you guys can like and share and do all those things to help continue to grow this show. So I want to thank our viewers for mentioning that. Please do that. Um, so we have about, you know, typically we end the show at one thirty. That's usually Ingrid's like, she's over there. Okay, I got it. Just kidding. She doesn't really do that, but that was no. funny. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I love I'm,
2: how you make me the bad guy all the time.
0: because you are the best person ever, mm. Ingrid, um, that can never <laughs> make any mistakes. All right, all so do you have any more questions uh, from the viewers? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I don't want to screw you up over there. And Dr. Cresswell, I can't thank you enough um, no, for, t- I, and for I, taking the time. I, 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 ha-
1: I saw it right there, and I've heard it as well. Uh, 15 days to slow the spread, 30 days to, to slow the spread, and this really may be 30 days to slow the spread, right? Because well, heard... you said May or June, this should be over.
0: Oh, so, okay, gotcha. Hopefully, yeah,
1: hopefully. Yeah. It, it's just we've heard that before, so it's just yeah. it it sets off some some alarm bells. But mm-hmm. we really do expect this to be gone by May or June. We we'll always hope. Right, okay. It has in the past, right? I mean, that's yes, what we're going by.
0: The, this is an interesting question. Um, there's a question, are there any breeds that are resilient to the virus?
3: Um, not, not so much the breeds, they are the species. So quail are very susceptible to the virus. Mm, nice um, they, mm. The ducks, even if I say they don't show clinical signs, they actually need fewer viruses to transmit between themselves. Like the virus is very well adapted to the duck. So once they get infected, they pass it very well between themselves. They actually need more viruses in a chicken gets infected and to pass it to the flock mates, it takes more viruses for that chicken to pass it to the flock mates. But if, if once it gets in the chicken, it kills the chicken. So it's just one and take. So turkeys are more susceptible than, than uh, uh, chickens are. Chickens of the domestic species are the most resistant to the virus.
0: Um, and there is a question: Can we put all this information on our web? You know, I know Ingrid does a lot when she gets home. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of this information, especially uh, Dr. Crespo. I love the. Uh, I'm going to go back to it real quick, just kind of show off uh, something that we showed earlier. Because I know there is a lot of people coming in uh, later, that I, and that's why I do like to mention that it's we the are 10 tips. Right. Well,
2: yeah, that's that's this is the poultry the poultry mobile unit, which is fantastic if you're in the um, North Carolina Raleigh. We and I imagine Dr.
0: Crespo, you guys stay pretty busy.
3: Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so we will have a link on our website. And I'm sure our social media, Ingrid's going to do all those fun, great things and yeah. maybe even, oh, and there's a shout out to all our new viewers on TikTok. Crushing <laughs> it um loving it and if you're not already following us on tiktok please do that uh we're trying to do a lot more of behind the scenes tips and tricks and i was trying to do one for avian flu and i didn't, I didn't know how to even do that but maybe a, a snippet of today's show but uh dr so you have the top 10 keep your birds safe from avian flu so if you're just joining us um you know we're coming up to the end of the show uh we still have another 20 minutes but what we want to do is really educate everyone with the experts what we can do with our backyard flock to prevent it. And if you think there's avian flu, what to do with it. And I love that you have this top 10 things to do to prevent from your chickens. And we'll have that on our website. Yes, we will. Awesome. Ingrid promises, everyone. Um, All right. Well, is there any other questions? Hold on. I'm going to get you back. I'm going to get you Mm back. Boy, she gets trigger happy with that mouse.
2: Uh, Well, they have some regular chicken questions.
0: Do you have time? A couple more minutes for some regular chicken questions? awesome
2: okay well i know last
1: time one of the breaking with well, the breaking news that we learned was to use apple cider vinegar in our water that was something that we talked about last time and there was some debate on how much to put in there do you remember so
3: uh, it is about two teaspoons in a gallon okay Um so it's Two teaspoons. Uh, I heard some people do three teaspoons, but I tell you what I uh, so anywhere between two and th- two uh, two to three teaspoons. But what I do is just get also uh, you know the um, pH, uh, strips pH strips that you have for the for the pool for the swimming pool. So you can uh, what I like is to bring the pH down to five point five, anywhere between six to, to five. So you just uh, dip that in the water and you see what the pH in the water is.
1: Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you.
2: Um, let's see. What can you do for a chicken with water belly?
3: Uh, that's usually a water belly chicken. To me, it, it could be the two main things. So one is what they call is a heart disease. And it is secondary to the heart disease, just like happens with humans. Um, uh, and usually that we see it in very young birds. Now, the other major problem may be a water belly in older birds. And if it's in older birds, and I am talking an older bird anywhere um, two years of age or older, and Ingrid, you have some experience with that. Yes. Um, it is mostly associated with uh, yeah. uh, tumors of the reproductive tract. Right. Um, so a lot so, of these,
2: a lot of these things are are not water belly. Isn't actually a disease. It's a symptom of something else happening. That's right. That's mm-hmm. that's what people. Yeah. Like what I was that.
0: trying to do is, I mean, can you see it? I was trying to Google it and see if we could bring up some you, images. I
2: think what it is when I, my chicken had it, it was just that you could see that you could feel that the belly was very, I don't know, liquidy. Um, a lot of times she would also walk more upright um, yeah. than than a regular chicken.
3: That's walks. interesting. Yeah.
0: That just made me really nauseous so, um, so what
3: they what they call it is a penguin posture like ingrid was saying more upright because of course it's like pregnant women that they have the balance is off so the same without much fluid in the abdomen they have to balance in a different way their bodies oh, wow. so it, it, it gets up what they call the penguin posture
2: right um, let's see we got some more questions I'm sure
0: um yeah there's so many questions but I definitely wanted to since we have dr Crespo on chicken expert of all things uh, and not, not, and actually not just chickens poultry too mm-hmm. uh pretty much everything birds and I, I it's one it's we're coming up to 115 I think we can uh end this with dr Crespo right now right and we got some more things we want to talk about and I don't want to bore you with that Dr Crespo but dr Crespo you are the Never best bore me I can't thank Thank you you enough for your time. Uh, And we hope to talk to you again soon. And hopefully things will start getting better out there. And again, just thank you for your time. You are the best.
2: Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. So. That is such a great service they have, though. We are so lucky here in North Carolina to have mm -hmm. the NC State Mobile Poultry Vet Unit that can come to fly, and they're
0: booked out. Right, I mean they're pretty darn oh, yeah. busy, and you know it's just it, it's it's a it's an amazing service. Great people. I tell you, anything that has to do with chickens. There's just always great people, even a state yep. official. He was super awesome. Yeah,
1: wow. yeah. Maybe we could do a show sometime with her on site.
0: I was thinking the same thing, yeah. actually. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right, so it is 1.15. Just want to thank everyone um, that's been here. I hope you've enjoyed that. And we want I did want to get back to our samples because we're talking about industrial hemp. And, and, and what another reason. To be able to use a bedding that is very absorbent. You know, we got some three samples here of it, some industrial hemp. And I'm gonna talk about, if you didn't catch why I have these samples here, I'm gonna talk about that here in a little bit. But again, um, I mean, wow. Our coots really are so much the cooler. They really look the same on
1: camera. And I'm gonna say that they look very similar. And I'm gonna go out on a limb and say these all would work beautifully.
0: Well, they do. Without a doubt, yeah, hemp in so. general works well. But we're I'm always looking for the best., I know. the best of the best. and our customers expect that. So what we have here is three samples. and of I'm gu-
1: the lazy chicken owner, remember? So.
0: Well, I think we're all lazy, yeah, and that's right. why we love how we set up our coops and the deep litter system. Um, I have three samples of industrial hemp bedding here, and the reason why I wanted to bring these in, and I don't know the answers either, is we did just get a fresh sample from a new company we are thinking about going to so that we don't have to import it from overseas, and we're doing everything we can get to, to get the cost down, but we do not want to ever jeopardize on quality, um, And but I wanted to see it. I wanted to see the actual proof and... I don't know if we could talk about that. We're, 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 we're coming up with our own secret blend. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, there, there's a clue there. Secret blend. So one of oh, them... Oh, is uh, that the mix? Well, let's not say too much. A secret blend, we're going to call it. Ah. But you can almost spot it. All right, I I can tell you right away. And I think you can see this oh. on camera.
2: It, they do look very similar. It's hard yeah. to see on camera. Yeah, we're not going to be able to help.
0: Um, all right, well, and that's why Nan did bring in the high density. Look, You don't really see... You don't really see that. Which ones do you think are from the Cocoon and the product we sell now, which is still a great product. The
1: Cocoon had smaller pieces.
0: Yeah, but this is dead on. And maybe they're trying to throw us a curve because these look identical. but
1: Yeah, it could be all in the packaging. Yeah, these might be smaller pieces. Um... <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to taste test it.
0: You won't. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. Uh, you can't see that. Right, I tell you what. There's my assistant over there or my princess yeah, Jada just getting out of class. I don't think that's bring, really. Bring gonna... that, bring that high density in here. Let's see if this does help. Yeah, I don't um, think it will. And of course it if you guys still have any look other look No. Are you kidding me? I am to our shocked. viewers to, I, oh, to this the gonna, viewers. I know this isn't but really gonna help. you're here to you you have first hand experience. While
1: while you're doing that on the cutting board here. In- Ingrid, tell me like let's just let's just set it straight. Like tell me straight
2: up. Are you, how worried are you about avian flu Ooh. Um, I think I was worried more in the beginning very much in the beginning okay. um, but I oh. <laughs> but now when I realize the setup I have for my chickens mm. um, even though it's not everything is covered they, they don't they don't cover a large area so I feel that I stop I st- I. St- I haven't been um, feeding my, I haven't fed the wild birds. Yeah. So I I, I stopped that. Usually I would I feed wild birds in the winter, but I stopped that.
0: It's like we're cutting up uh, some hemp lines yeah, here, folks. I know. Uh, we're right. getting ready to. Someone's gonna do a fatty right here. Um. All right. Was that I'm inappropriate? I'm always. I mean, I'm my always worried like, about my chickens. Yeah, you yeah
1: but you're not near. Well, you're not I, right I, near a pond or anything. Well, but you near Shelly Shelly Lake. Lakes, yeah. yeah.
2: But I some smaller like, lakes near. But you. because my chickens are pretty well-contained, I think. Um, But you never know. I mean, nobody wants to lose a chicken. I certainly don't.
1: Yeah. And my concern was really that, you know, we do lose chickens occasionally. And when should we panic? Or do we panic anytime? I mean, I know it's unfortunate when we lose them, but you know what I mean? Like, do we, do we always rush that that body to some sort of facility? Or... I think I would if yeah, it in this died case. suddenly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I think any any chicken that dies suddenly because we have that resource, um, I would want to know even before the avian flu. Now I kind of feel like, like you said earlier, if it's going to get the whole flock, like there's no way, if, if one gets sick, they're all going to get sick. So if the only, the best thing to do is to prevent it as much as you can. Right.
0: Um, I love that Francine says she's less worried because of today's show. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, is I was trying to create a little drama, some doom and gloom, but that there was going to be a answer to your to the solution of avian flu, and that is a Carolina coop, and or if you are building your own coop, why we do what we do. Okay, so I think our viewers. Okay, I'm gonna say now only because I know how I dumped it, is one, three, two and don't really okay so we'll move this around oh all right gosh. so this is what are you kidding me i am i am shocked i'll be honest with oh, you. there's some
1: cross-contamination there. there
0: is no cross-contamination <laughs> definitely okay
1: is. yeah <laughs> i mean what about this where did that go
0: it's all ajax don't worry uh. about it <laughs> um you t- can you guys see the difference
2: it's a little bit you more know. clear now
1: i would i would use one of these two even though they have the darker particles, they have more of the fiber.
0: But we have learned that the fiber is repellent. Speaking of fiber.
1: Uh, that's not what I saw in my testing.
0: Oh, but, Well, this is Maybe, why we do this.
1: I mean, if, if you have a bit of fiber here. Here, have some put, fiber. And you put some water on it.
0: Let's see. Okay, all right, fine. Let's put it to the t- Hey, hello.
1: It's like a little cotton ball. You don't even
0: care. Look at this wonderful nesting material.
1: No, I, I like the fiber
0: you like the fiber
1: I think I think that helps
0: there's some fiber in this
2: mm-hmm. so what are we what are we saying Matt did I pick the wrong one well she
0: just freaking pissed in my Cheerios is what yeah. she just did oh, that's no that's later. fine that's why we do this and that's why we do it live <laughs> all right this material right here is the potential new stuff from Canada if you can't see the difference in the quality as far as color the way it's been harvested and we have seen how dust free they can make it
1: no I, I do I is it too clean?
0: Is that what it is? <laughs> you, you, it's too clean.
1: Yeah, this is. This
0: you is, don't like it. No,
1: no, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. No, you um, can't. You
0: can't put a bow on it now. So you know,
1: there is some fiber in there.
0: There is. Very, very minimal yeah. fiber. And the fiber is supposed to be the repellent part, but I get it. There are other companies that we talked to, it was like, oh yeah, look how absorbent the fiber is. And I've been told they say that because it's so hard for them to get it out. Definitely see a color difference, but hard to see the fibers, et cetera. Paul, thank you for right. that. Um, so what I strive for is the color. What does the color tell us? Now, truth be told, and, and it's ridiculous what I do to really split hairs all industrial hemp is going to be a great bedding for chickens, right? Okay, um, but there is people out there are people out there selling industrial hemp that is absolute garbage. Um, they don't care what's in it. We do, and I and I, I want to make. I always want it so there's the you know the best product for the best price, and that's why it's taken me years to potentially find a, a better product where we can get the price down. And one of the biggest costs about importing from Europe is it's expensive to transport it over. And, of course, the states here just haven't caught up yet. It's probably going to be another 10 years before they catch up to it. Is that, I mean, that's good-looking stuff. No?
2: Yeah, it is good-looking. So looking. what you're saying
0: is then we're just going to have to put it to the test.
2: Yeah. Well, part of the reason why we were developing this was uh, was a mixture of the bigger fibers and the smaller fibers, yeah. too. Yeah, that is With, true. Like, I mean, surface area concerns yeah, and... Mm-hmm and we were concerned about dust, so.
0: Exactly, so what we're doing is we are working on the special blends where potentially the new company will give us exactly what we want, and that's what they did here. Look at all the different sizes. Mm-hmm. It's nice and clean. You prefer this stuff, huh? No,
1: no, I, I no, said. That's, that's what you said on No, record. initially I said all of these would work.
0: Okay, so I could be <laughs> wrong. All right, we need the answers. Nan, are you there?
1: I think you know.
0: No, I yes, don't I'm know. Here. All right, I do not know. I specifically told him I don't want to know, but I can tell that if these two look so similar, I'll bet you number two is Cocoon. I'll bet you number three is our normal betting, which has been phenomenal compared to what I've seen other people selling. This stuff that we just got in, holy cow. All right, Nan, number three. Give us the answer to number three, please. today crickets yeah um, hold please
1: <laughs> fish and matt what ryan said does matt dye his mustache
0: it does look like it doesn't it mm-hmm. so i thought about getting rid of all this and just leaving the dark part so i don't look so white mm-hmm. but yeah no that's that's the real deal right. the fu manchu the hawk hogan what you gonna do now buddy? somebody yes. asked
2: yes somebody asked last week mm-hmm. that um we were talking about coop building stuff um, Brian Carlin asked, he has laminate vinyl floor plank flooring. Can he use because he has a whole box that's extra over? Can he use that for his floor? Or is it the same thing like you would have to have the same thing
0: it? as linoleum? Can you use it? Yes, would you? I wouldn't eliminate layers, eliminate layers, layers, hide things, trap things, cause more problems. Like Dr. Crespo was talking about earlier. Um, and I used to say the same thing when it comes to pests, eliminate the places for them to hide. Um, there's always gonna be somewhere for them to hide, but if you eliminate the places for them to hide, it's easier to treat them. It's easier to find them. So I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't. This is okay. why we love, you know, here's an example of a the the floor to an a It's just half inch thick, high density polyethylene. That's it. There's no layers. Um, all right, Nan, uh, I would like an answer. Uh, We got six minutes until Ingrid pulls the plug on the show. And I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. We will have the answers here any day now. and uh, just can't thank you guys enough. And please do everything you can to help promote the show by sharing it, liking it. What else can they do, Ingrid?
2: They can, yes, like, share, tell their friends, tune in.
0: Oh, um, we have something phenomenal coming up. In two weeks. In two weeks. We're going to have another couple guest speakers. Yeah. I hope you guys all got a chance. And let, let me know if you have. If you haven't, please go watch it. Episode three called The Turning Point on HGTV. The I show. watch
2: all the episodes because they're fun.
0: Well, really, make sure you watch episode three because that's <laughs> the one I'm in. Um HGTV, Fixer a Fabulous. It was a four-part series, a four-episode series called Welcome In. Right. We were in number three. Oh, she's on. I knew something was up. All right, go ahead. Bring it in. Oh, Ingrid can tell us. No, more, more drama. Let's. We need some more drama for yeah. entertainment. Cause, Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, go to HGTV and check that out. But we will have Jenny and Dave on.
2: The hosts of Fix to Fabulous. The hosts of Fix
0: Fabulous, and I get to finally talk to them about all the things that didn't make the episode, and I can't wait to hear how things are going um, with their chicken coop. Yeah. So that's gonna yeah. be a lot of fun. We're, so we're We're gonna have some famous people on the show.
2: That's wonderful. Nice. Yeah.
0: All right. So Ingrid. Yes. Hemp three. This one right here is. I'm going with our normal. What we've been selling.
2: Hang on a second.
0: Okay, (laughs) rewind. Uh, I'm going on...
2: I have to find my back No way. That is the Cocoon. Which one? Number three is the Cocoon.
0: Shut up. There's no way. Really?
2: Well, that's the same product.
1: It's just in a smaller bag, right? But
0: they changed it then because I've not been a fan of Cocoon.
1: It looks exactly the same.
0: So this one is our normal. Yes. And then this one over here, this beautiful light blonde beautiful stuff.
1: And that's not bleached, right? No. Okay.
0: Good point. No, this is that's the cuz in Europe they just had a tough season and it sat out there and it just it's just there's so much more to hunt than I ever thought. And now we're really getting into what seeds they're planting, the strain of the plants and and their, you know, who has ownership in those plants so that you produce the best possible in this case the herd. And what I am wanting to do is you know we got to be special. I want to be the only one that's going to have the ability to sell this particular quality of a product and have our own special blend. Oh. And you
2: should test it right here on site. And
0: keep the yeah, if we can ever get around to having yeah. our own chicken coop again. I bet you
2: can figure well, out. Oh, I how think to get I think done. I know of a coop that you can test it on.
0: Oh, mm. you know, yeah. oh speaking of Ingrid's coop. Yes, coupe.
2: which I want to say I was I was waiting cuz I really wanted to thank Matt so mm-hmm. much for coming out Wednesday and installing my chicken run door. Oh, how nice. Because my coop is 15 feet from my bedroom window. And mm-hmm. they're loud in the morning when they want to be let out, especially my barred rock. And the first night, they first of all, they I, I had one walk through it, the Bard rock. I figured, well, all I need is one to use the door. That's all I need because then they all will. So I was like, okay, good. We got the good one, the loud one. And then that morning, I woke up, and the window was open, and I actually panicked. I said, did I not lock up my coop? Did a raccoon kill my flock? Why am I not hearing any noise? And they were all out, having fun. So I can't thank you enough. You are welcome. <laughs> and for people that want to install a coop, uh, chick- our chicken run door, after you've already gotten your coop, um, there will be a video on it.
0: We did a step-by-step video Good. putting in that frame with the chicken guardian, which I still love, you know, it is a great, great door. So we're doing, I, I am dedicated. I know I'm behind schedule this year, but trying to do more and more videos to show people so they can do things on their own, especially even assembling our chicken coops to to make it that much easier and showing all the tips and tricks that we have learned and we use out in the field. So you are welcome, yeah, and I, I bet so you uh, your husband is much happier.
2: Yes, we're both happier. Yes, Good. That,
0: that makes me happy. It's such a great door. When can we expect to see that video?
2: Um. Anyway, should we be wrapping up soon? I got some. Yeah, it is 1:29. I Hopefully can't. I will work on it. Next, I please. can't thank
0: you guys enough. <laughs> We will see you next week. Do we have do we know what next week's show is yet? If we finalize that?
2: No, but I'm trying for some a guest as well. So.
0: Nice. So we will be back on next Friday, but again just a reminder in 2 weeks we'll have hopefully Jenny and Dave Mars from the world famous show Fi- uh, Fixer to Fabulous where we did a chicken coop for if you haven't seen it, it's called the Welcome in episode 3 of the Turning Point. I think you guys will love it. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye,
2: guys.